Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Big day Sunday at the hockey rink. And by the way, fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Do you have access to the text line yet? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Please we're, tell we're me still yes. We're still efforting on still that. efforting yes, on a, that. It's a big ordeal, yes. I want to do a text in the city segment. Can you please have somebody come in and give you the code or whatever you need to see the text? I, I this has will, been a month. I, I, I know. It's, a, it's quite a process. I will follow up and, and try to have that for us today. Who better to talk about Yager than our friend Steige? And he is on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Steige, when I first came on the beat, which was 1997-98, Yager was at the very height of his powers. He wasn't yet the captain. Ron Francis was the captain, but he soon would be. He was the centerpiece. And I know you have uh, great stories about Mario when Mario came to town and you picking him up from the airport and things like that. Let's, let's tell some Yager stories because his, his arrival here was a little bit tricky. I was just reading about it again to refresh my memory. Nobody knew if he could get out of uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. Uh, nobody knew. So tell us the beginnings of Yager, what you remember. Well, I, I just remember that, uh, you know, there was some, theory that the teams ahead of the Penguins in the draft, the four teams ahead of them were told that he wasn't coming over. And, uh, and, but Yager told the Penguins that he would. So he, he wanted to come over and play for the Penguins apparently. Uh, so that was interesting. And I'd like to get that from Yager when he, when he comes into town on Friday, I, I want to get him to really talk about how aware he was of Mario and the Penguins when he was, you know, 16, 17 years old. And really, what uh, what what happened there with Craig Patrick? And because I've heard it told in different ways, and I, I just want to know for sure that you know that he had the opportunity to speak with other teams and told them he wasn't coming. Because I find it interesting that he was at the draft, which would indicate that those teams, if they'd have seen him sitting there, you would have thought that they would say, "Hey, listen, this kid's here." I mean, he said he was He's sitting here in the stands. Maybe we ought to rethink our pick. You know what I mean? So I want to know whether or not he really told those mm. teams 
yes. he wouldn't come. Don't you find that interesting? Yes. Because a lot of it, to me, it might have to do with the fact that maybe Mario, he, he knew that Mar- was aware of Mario, wanted to play for the Penguins. It also could just be that those four teams ahead of the Penguins were dumb and didn't take a best player because they maybe they didn't feel comfortable taking a guy from behind. Well, the Iron Curtain was no longer there, really. I mean, the it, the, the wall had come down in 89, but there was there were still Soviet troops in Prague in 1991. That's when they left. So there there were still uh, remnants of communism there. And from what I heard, he had to drive across the border from Czechoslovakia to Germany to pick up a flight. The Pe- Pittsburgh had a nonstop flight from Pittsburgh to Frankfurt and return back in those days on U.S. Airways. And he caught that flight in Frankfurt with his mom to come over. But when I when I met Yager, he had come to the airport for the very first time, and he, he was down in the waiting area there right near the tarmac in the old Pittsburgh airport. He came in with his mom, and his dad came, and they went to the Billet family's house, uh, the Nemitzes, N-E-M-E-C. I hope to meet that family again. It's been so long. And he came in and hung out for a little while, and Badger Bob was there, and he was asking him questions like, uh, who's the best Czech player, you know, and things like that. He was, like, trying to talk to them. It's great stuff. <laughs> but, you know, that was their first chance to really have an encounter with him. And, and uh, so then um, the next day I went shopping with him. I took him to Ross Park Mall with his mom. And, <laughs> what uh, was that and like? It, it was awesome. I mean, there's pretty good footage of it. You'll see it in some videos. It was in the 50th anniversary video I, you know, we went up in a van, and I drove up in the KDKA uh, van with, uh, I'm sure it was Michael Chalik at the time, the videographer who's one of the best of all time at KDKA. And we went up there and went to Ross Park Mall and went to the Gap, and he wanted to buy jeans and uh, blue jean jackets. And you'll see in the footage, it's pretty pretty accessible. You can find it anywhere. Uh, he looks great at that stuff. And then he goes to a, to a music store. He's looking at CDs. And I said, what kind of music do you like? He said, metal. And then he And then he said... <laughs> Bon- so it was pretty cool and um he was quite aware of you know some of the hard rock bands and he actually looked like a rat rock star to me with the hair and everything he was a you know typical teenager in a sense he liked you know he liked fast cars and girls and all that stuff and and he loved playing hockey um i think it was rossi and yoey put together a wonderful piece in which they quoted you i believe in the athletic just random stories about Yager. So he was a star. I mean, the way you just described him, you know, when somebody walks into a room, they're a little bit different. And there were legendary, legendary stories from Cladnow about how he developed those powerful piston legs that he had, which really to me were the engine that drove Yager, obviously unbelievably soft hands, all kinds of things he had going for him, but the ability to keep people off the puck I've never seen another like him in the offensive zone. And it was those piston legs that drove the whole thing, right? The legs feed the wolf, like Herb Brooks said. How did he develop those? He did a thousand squats a day from the time he was about 10 years old or maybe even younger. I I don't know. You know, a thousand squats a day, that's a lot, you know, and he would run alongside of his dad's uh, tractor, you know, on the farm and things like that. I mean, he, he, he was a, classic example of you know training in a, in a more raw sort of uh you know coming up with ideas as opposed to having a you know a, a trainer who's working on all these different aspects of your 
uh, you know, your anatomy. I mean, he just he just did a simple thing. He did he did squats. You know, the later the the term became plyometrics. You know, you'd see guys doing those squats where they would squat and then on the way back up they would jump. You know, that, that was he did that stuff where he he would he would squat down and then jump up. Uh, you know, to to uh, strengthen his his engine. You know, his his butts and his butt, buttocks and his legs. He had huge legs anyway. I mean, if you, I don't know you've seen that footage of him skating around in his underwear on the ice, like you know, stick handling, and he, he's out there, and you can see his legs, like his full legs, and he just had incredibly big legs naturally. His dad was a big man, so he was, you know, he was born, you know, big boned, and and uh, you know, and, and with a with the potential to have a very muscular body. He just had to develop it. His dad must have known that because. I don't know where he would have else he would have gotten the idea to do a thousand squats a day, but that's what he did. Steige, I remember, and we're talking to Paul Steigerwald here about Yager, since you know that's what this week is kind of about, and certainly what Sunday is going to be about. That's going to be a fun and exciting day uh, for the Penguins and their fans. When I watched Sidney Crosby in his first practice, I remember watching it with you, with Bob Airy, with a couple of other people. And everybody was like, wow, like this is, they could see the subtleties in his game. Like this is crazy. Like day one, you could see that this guy was different. What do you remember about Yager's first practice or two? And when did people start to realize that this guy is not like the others? Well, I, you know, what I remember is that he uh, still looked like somebody who had a lot of developing to do as a hockey player. Uh he wasn't really good at shooting the puck. Uh, Rick Kehoe was put in charge of working on his wrist shot every day. Rick Kehoe had a great wrist shot uh, uh, when he played hockey. He scored 55 goals with it, and uh, he really could snap the puck, like probably as well as anybody. I mean, that's how good he was at it. And he taught Yager how to snap the puck. Yager would sweep it uh, when he shot it. And also he had more of a tendency to want to go to his backhand and shoot it that way. So. Keo worked on him, you know, delivering that wrist shot. And it wasn't just the hands. It's the transfer of weight and all the things you go along with, right? So he had to kind of learn that. But he's a quick study. I mean, he's just a great, really intelligent person. Yager is unbelievably smart. Uh, you know, so he, 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 he caught on, I think, pretty quickly and started to shoot the puck in games and score goals. And then he had a really good rookie year in the, in the final analysis. But he definitely had to work at some aspects of his game. But as you said, he had those puck protection skills right from the start where he would just turn his back to a defender. And another thing he liked to do was use his arm, like almost like a stiff arm, like a running back. So he would put that arm out to hold off a defender, and he could handle the puck with one hand on a stick. And that was really something else. So he could go in the corner, and he would wait for somebody to come up and, and, you know, and try to check him. And then he'd spin off that guy and use his leg. And Sidney Crosby does the exact same thing now. You know, I mean, Sid is a centerman. Yager's a winger. So Sid learned a lot of different, you know, facets of the game and really, really refined a lot of really, you know, things that subtleties in, in his game because he's so passionate about the game and so also so intelligent. And, and, and Yager did that. But I, I think Yager, because he played the wing, he didn't have to take face-offs and a lot of those other aspects of the game that Sid's developed. But I think they're similar players in a lot of ways. I mean, Imagine, you know, for fans who've never seen Yager play in person, imagine Sidney Crosby at 6'3", 230, okay? Because that's, that's, that's basically what you had. And Yager was a grinder. I mean, he didn't hit guys. Like, Sid will take the body and really take, you know, deliver solid, solid 
body checks. Yager rarely did that. He'd go in the corner, he'd bump the guy or, you know, wiggle his way into position and then reach in there and get the puck free. And then he'd protect it, turn, find somebody open, or shoot the puck. Kind of a lot of things that Sid does in the offensive zone. He was phenomenal at that stuff. Plus, as time went on, he became better off the rush. He became like a brilliant puck rusher, you know, where he carried the puck with authority and he would make a great pass mm. and then maybe get the puck back and score goals. He was he was good at beating goalies. He liked to go to the backhand a lot early on, but then he developed all of his shots. Um, I don't remember him really one-timing pucks a lot. Uh, not the way like Malkin can do it. Uh, I remember Badger Bob saying, he can't shoot off a pass. He has to work on shooting off the pass. He can't shoot off the pass. So, you know, those were the kinds of things that he had to learn on the fly, on the job, and he picked it up very quickly. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Man, I'm just looking at his career numbers. One year, he had, in 95-96, he took 403 shots, which was by far the most of his career. And I didn't remember that as a 33-year-old in 05-06 with the Rangers, after he had he had slowed down for several years, Washington did not work out for him. As a 33-year-old, he had 154 goals <clears throat> and 123 points. Yep. And he finished second in the Hart Trophy voting. But I wanted to ask you this. What year was that? That was 05-06. Yeah. I didn't remember I was- that. A lot of people still talk about the goal against the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup final and about how that's the loudest they ever heard the arena. One of the great moments in Civic Arena history. Was it the loudest moment for you? And if not, what topped it? And what do you remember about that miracle goal? No, the loudest was the goal Mario scored right after that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, because Yager tied and then Mario put him ahead. It was what you don't expect. I mean, you think... When Yager scores, the game's going to overtime, and then Mario scores on a power play, uh, and that's when the place went crazy because everybody knew the Penguins were going to win the game. But that that was an incredible goal by Yags. It kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he's he's over on the left wing wall. He beats a couple of guys on the way to the net, interferes with another guy, 
Uh, I think it was uh, Kuchera, the defenseman, and then Yager went around Sean McEachern and that defenseman that he interfered with and, and uh, you know, swept that back in on Eddie Belfour, who, you know, really was a basket case by the end of that game. Uh, you know, and, uh, it, and you know, that was a, just an amazing goal because he kind of danced his way to the front of the net, you know, and, and stick handled, and he was still only in his second year in the league. I mean, that's the thing about it. I mean, he came in, he was raw. They had to teach him how to fire a wrist shot. Then all of a sudden he's making those plays by the time the Stanley Cup final rolls around. And what it was was basically a glimpse into the crystal ball. What you were seeing was what Yager was going to become. I mean, he just kind of blossomed before our eyes in a very, I think, very, very quickly. Because, again, it was only the end of the second season in the league. He was a mercurial figure, to put it mildly, Steige. I covered sports for decades here now, and I've never, never covered an athlete that would be at one day as uh, almost jubilant uh, as he would be, followed by the next day being completely morose. I don't think he ever really wanted to be the captain of the team or or fully embraced that, although he had some great moments as captain. He was just a really, really mercurial, I think is the best word to describe him, as his career went on and more was expected of him on the leadership side. Yeah, and I think there was a, maybe a little bit of a manic-depressive aspect to his personality, like you said. Um, and it, it kind of revealed itself uh, as the pressure mounted on him. And I was thinking about it. Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about a lot of this stuff because i got to do an interview with him on Friday at Rivers Casino. And, and you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the thing that stands out to me is that Yager definitely would have been a Penguin his entire career. I'm not – I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that if things were normal, but they weren't. The league was sick. The Penguins were sicker. And I think because of that, Yager had to bear the burden of the financial woes of the Penguins, uh, a lot of his uh, teammates that he had had in the 90s going away. Then they brought in Ivan Halinka. He just became such a centerpiece for, for, you know, for the Penguins and, and how the success was tied to what he would do, that the pressure did mount on him a bit. And then I think he got interested in some other aspects of life. I mean, he got into gambling and, you know, he got into the stock market and things like that. And I think, I think he got distracted. I, I remember him being noted for his, his work ethic and his you know, workouts. He'd run the steps in each arena he went to before the game and all that. I think he got away from that a little bit later in his career, and he had injuries too. He had the groin problem that was nagging him all the time. He had a pronation of his right foot and ankle that created a problem for him that actually extended up into his leg, into his groin. They were having a tough time treating it. He was looking for different skates he had steve latin sewing stitching his boots on his skates all different ways to try to support that ankle i mean it just kind of collapsed on him all at once while the penguins were collapsing as an organization okay so if he's if he's playing in an era like today with the salary cap in, in pittsburgh he never leaves pittsburgh he plays he, he's another mario he plays or sid he plays his entire career in pittsburgh his his career actually might have intersected with sid's although if he had been here Maybe the whole, all the fate would have been different, you know, but still, you know what I mean? Like that year with the Rangers that you mentioned, that was Sid's rookie year. So, you know, he, he would have continued to play uh, for a long time in Pittsburgh, I think. But, boy, as you know, Joe, it, uh, you know, they were in bankruptcy. And he, he essentially saved the team from going into the throes of bankruptcy with zero relevance. Well, the Penguins would have been irrelevant at the time of that bankruptcy proceeding if not for Yager saving that one series against New Jersey. 
So in the end, I mean, one of the all-time greats and just just everything from the name in which you could spell Mario Jr. to the number, to the personality, to the hairstyle, to everything else, a superstar in the end. And where, yeah, lo- where go ahead, Stoggy. A larger than life figure, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those guys, like a, like he's a national hero. That's the other thing. I mean, in, in, in a Czech, in Czechia, which they call it now, he, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a real, real icon. I mean, and he, and as he should be, I think when they won the Olympics in 98, I mean, that team was fabulous and they, and they had great players and he was the best of all of them. And it was, and he's, he's a national hero and, and, and uh, a really interesting character in the sense that he did play for so many teams in the NHL that people around the hockey world got a chance to kind of root for him as theirs for a while. But uh, I think in the end, he'll be remembered as a penguin. And I think that's good that they're retiring his number here in Pittsburgh because, you know, 11 seasons with Pittsburgh, he won four scoring titles in a row. No one's won more, four in a row other than uh, Wayne Gretzky. He won seven straight and a total of 10. Mm. Yager won five, but he won four straight. I've fluctuated at times between Gino and him. Gino playing the more um, premium position of center. But when you put it like that, I, I think my top four Penguins of all time, Steige, and I wonder if you agree, Mario one, Sid two, Yager three, Gino four. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Thank you, Steige. I mean, Yager won twice as many scoring titles he he won more scoring titles than Gino and Sid combined. That that's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know if people I think we were kind of spoiled because the Penguins were winning all the scoring titles when Mario and Yager were here, but when you look back on it, four in a row, come on. That's Ridiculous. pretty amazing. Stoggy, thanks for taking the time. Those were great stories. I appreciate okay. it, man. No no problem. Take care, Joe. <clears throat> that's Paul Steigerwald, and that is great stuff. It really is. Um Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Coming up next, man, I got some asked some very interesting Steeler-related questions in the old mailbag today. Um, and also the Noah Constrictor. Yes, I forgot about the Noah Constrictor because he moved at the last second. I want to know about Pitt's NCAA tournament hopes. What do they need to do here to actually get in? We'll talk to Noah Hiles from the Post-Gazette next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back out to the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. This has become like a variety show, Sean like a late night talk show or something. We have a variety of stars, the latest of which is the Noah constrictor. Is he on the line? He sure as heck is. Noah Hiles of the Post-Gazette covers the Pitt basketball team. And man, was I heartened to look at your story today. I didn't know, Sean. Sean, 
Why did I call him Sean? Because you're Sean. That's why. It's a logical mistake, actually. You can start calling me No if you want. No, I apologize for calling you Sean. But I didn't know whether we were going to see, whether I was going to see a truly important pit basketball game this season. I was getting very worried about that. And we're at least going to have one big game. And I'm heartened by that. And I love the part of your story that said a win tonight in Charlottesville would, quote, truly put the Panthers back on the bubble. This is must-watch TV. I didn't know if we were going to get there this year. Tell me about this game and about what they need to do to get in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's this is the biggest game they might play all season. Just looking at the way these two teams are trending, these are the two hottest teams in the ACC, Joe. One of them took itself from being on the wrong side of the bubble to being a lock right now for the tournament. It's won eight straight. It's number 21 in the country right now. It's won 23 straight games at home. It's really figuring itself out. And the other team's pit, which has won five of its last six, including some big road wins, all sparked by that upset over Duke. And we kind of last time I was on the show, we kind of talked about this. What do they need to do to get back in the mix? Well, they did that. They won five of their last six. They got some quad one and quad two wins. And this is the next big step, earning another road win over a ranked team who's arguably the hottest team in the country right now. This puts them in the mix again. And does that necessarily mean that, you know, we're going to look at the bracketology update later in the week and see Pitt as a team that's going to Dayton right now? No, it doesn't. But they're going to be in the, the, the first four out or the next four out or even a team that's considered. And then you look at, What's ahead is a game Saturday against Louisville. That's an easy win, you would think. So that's if they can get the job done tonight, that's seven out of eight wins. And then you go into Winston-Salem, a team that's also fighting for the bubble next week, and that's another big game. So the path is right in front of Pitt right now. This is a huge matchup, and this is what you hope for if you're rooting for Pitt basketball, to have meaningful basketball in February. This is it. This is the biggest game, I think, in college basketball tonight. So what I'm hearing is that a win obviously clinches nothing, but a loss might be might be the nail in Pitt's coffin for anything short of winning the ACC tournament because they don't have many chances for quality wins left. Am I hearing that? Yeah. Yeah, That's that's. I don't know if it's necessarily a nail in the coffin, but the coffin door is definitely shut. Um, because they still have a couple of quad one opportunities. They, they have road games at Wake Forest, at Clemson. But, I mean, both of those teams are, are on the bubble right now as well. So it, it's not going to be the statement that it would be to be able to boast on your resume and say, we won at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and then we also went to Virginia, and we beat a team that had not lost there in its last 23 games, and it was on an eight-game win streak. Those are two statement victories for a team that did not have any notable wins in non-conference. You can point to those two wins and say, look, this, these are our statements, and we're a different team now because we have put together a nice little run. And also a win gives them a little leeway. So if they do lose in Winston-Salem or in Clemson later this month, they still have a little bit of a cushion. But if they lose tonight, you're looking at having to go perfect to be even in the conversation at the end of the regular season. And it's still probably on the wrong end of that conversation. You would probably need them – to go to at least the ACC final uh, to have a shot. So this is this is a huge, huge, huge game. Noah Hiles of the Post-Gazette. 
on the fan hotline. Yeah, this is the game that I could see in those, you know, committee meetings that if you're if you're arguing for Pitt, assuming that Virginia, if they lost tonight, would continue to win like this, that would be the best thing for Pitt. You beat them tonight, then root for them to keep winning. This this would be the game that people would say, look at that win they had against Virginia. What's Virginia's deal here? Uh, it doesn't look like they have a superstar by any means, but h- how are they winning? <laughs> They're winning by being the most efficient backcourt in the country. I think they lead the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. They're top 15 in turnover margin. They're one of the best def- second-best defensive team in the country. They shoot the three ball very well, nearly 40%. Um, they've got great guards, Joe. They start four of them. Uh, one of them, Dunn, is a guy who can guard all five positions on the floor. He's up, up near the top of the ACC in blocks, but he's also a good scorer. Uh, you have Beekman, who is the reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He's also 15th in the country in assists. That's going to be the big test in my eyes tonight, having that veteran guard who plays Tony Bennett basketball just as good as anyone really has. You know, not turning the ball over, finding the right guy, playing incredible defense. Him versus these two freshmen that have been lights out over the last month. That's going to make the difference. If Pitt's backcourt can hang it, hold its own, not commit turnovers, take smart shots, capitalize on opportunities, it's going to have a chance to win. But if you allow this veteran backcourt to play the way it's designed to play and play the way that it has been playing, mm. that just kind of, you call me the Noah constrictor. I mean, this team constricts teams to death. It, it held Miami to 17 points in the first half a couple weeks ago. Uh, it, it's a tough team to score against, so you can't make a lot of mistakes. Are they still playing the classic Tony Bennett pack line defense? Are they still noted for that, or has that become more prevalent in college basketball to the point where it's not that unusual? Do they still play it? What are they doing defensively? I mean, they're still doing it, and, and they just do it better than anyone. It, it is more common now, but I, they, they, this is a typical Tony Bennett team. It's a team that's First in the league in defense and second to last in the league in scoring. It's a team that is efficient. It's a team that has its weaknesses. It's, it's not good on the foul line. It's not necessarily the most accurate shooting team from inside the three-point line. Uh, but what it does well, it's excellent at. And it forces you to play a different game when you're heading into their building. And Pitt needs to remain to play its, its game. It needs to find outside looks. It needs to get to the basket as well because – We've seen what happens in recent games when it does create a little bit of pressure. Um, so yeah, it's it's your it's your standard Tony Bennett team, Joe. This, they just they're playing they're playing the way they're recruited to play and designed to play, and that's why they're winning. And it also sounds like you know there's an opportunity where they're almost going to leave you in the game because it's going to be maybe fairly low scoring. I see where uh, Clemson they had a very close game OT with NC State. They did blow out some teams though. What has been Pitt's biggest key to how they've turned around their season? It's been guard play, um, similar to last year. It's a team that's going to go as far as its guards can take it. You know, Henson is the best player in the sense where he's experienced. He's the guy who can get the team going when he gets hot. But you need guards to create for Henson. You need guards to take pressure off of the front court, which is the weakness on the team. And over the last couple of weeks, when Pitt's been putting it together, the emergence of Jaden Lowe uh, as the team's or Jalen Lowe as the team's point guard, the ability for him to get to the hole to kind of take some pressure off of Henson and, and allow Carrington to play as a true two. The emergence of Ishmael Leggett as a team's sixth man, who you know Lowe can see the team's point guard every night. Henson and, and Carrington can be 
scoring focused. And Leggett can be whatever Pitt needs him to be in a certain matchup. He can be a defender. He can be a scorer. He can be a rebounder. And having that three-guard depth, which they didn't have consistently for the front half of their season, has been the difference maker so far. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. I'm excited. I'm excited to finally see a big basketball game. Like I said, I didn't know if we were going to get one. Um, And it seems to me, Noah, that the Panthers had a great first half at NC State. So-so in the second half made the plays that were needed. In other words, I'm not sure that they've yet put together a brilliant all-around game, or have they? They did in Durham. Uh, and that's kind of what sparked this run that they're on. Uh, they played a great 40 minutes against Duke, which is by far their best win of the year, and that allowed them to have the confidence to grind out wins, like we saw at Georgia Tech at home against Wake Forest uh, last week against NC State. Mm. You know, beating those teams that are similar levels to them, even though, like you said, Joe, they hadn't played two great halves. I mean, in some of those wins, like I listed with Wake Forest, they weren't good at all in the first half and then picked it up. Whereas you also pointed out last week in NC State, they were terrible for really, I would say, the last 15 minutes. They were not the better team on the court. But having the confidence, I still think, from Durham is important in every game, especially in a game like tonight, where it's going to be another crazy atmosphere. It's going to be against another ranked opponent. It's going to be against a team that is kind of a tough matchup for what they do. Having that confidence saying, you know what, our best game of the year came against the best team we played. And this, is, this isn't this is North Carolina, it's not Duke, but it's, it's not far away from that. And they're playing at probably a higher level than those teams were when we ran into them. So having that confidence and knowing that their best game came against their toughest atmosphere and challenge is something that they're going to probably lean on tonight. All right, I'm looking forward to it, man. Good luck, and we'll read your stuff tomorrow. All right, thanks, Joe. That's the Noah Constrictor, Noah Hiles from the Post-Gazette. And I really feel that way. I mean, I even thought after the Miami game, we had Noah on, was it after the Duke game or before the Duke game, where he's like, they basically have to you know, lose one, maybe two, or win out here to have a chance. That's, they, were, they were one in five in the conference going into the Duke game. And thankfully, you know, you get breaks. People get breaks against Pitt, too. Two of Duke's starters don't play, so they go in there. They play a really good game, and they win. And as Noah said, that obviously built some confidence there. Wish they had beaten Miami, but they've come back now to win five of six, and this feels like their season tonight. That's what it feels like to me. All right, coming up next. How about Jay Caulfield? We got Steige's perspective on Yager and Yager's incredible history here and what's going to happen Sunday. Let's get one of his former teammates to weigh in here in Jay Caulfield. We'll talk to him next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks, a mix of clouds and sun today, and a high of 44 JP Roofing and Siding, one of my favorite topics. My friend A-Rod came out to the house. Eh, It's been about three, four, five years. Everything happened five years ago, according to Seinfeld. So that's what I'm going to say, five years ago. And it was raining inside, and he immediately knew why and fixed it. 
End of story. Good story, wasn't it? When someone comes out to your house to do repair work, you want it done right. That's a big deal to call, to schedule, to pay, to worry, all that. Well, Joe Potochnik, JP Roofing and Siding, has been doing this for 42 years, as I mentioned, and doing it really well. He built his business through customer satisfaction, and I'm one of their satisfied customers. $500 off right now any roofing or siding installation. It's a platinum preferred company, nationally recognized company. Give them a call, 412-829-7711. That's 829-7711. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.